0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Donald takes the snap, looks
0: left under pressure. Bullets one over the middle, and he's got Crowder. At the 10, cuts it back, at the 5, goal line! Sam Darnold did it again! Jones That's a kick away! Bradley McDougal! the Jets. And welcome back to an episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. We're your host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, another brutal Jets loss this time to the Arizona Cardinals, but without Sam Darnold, Mekhi Becton, Rashad Perriman, uh, Denzel Mims. So it was pretty much the Jets B team, I guess, in, in some ways. Uh, they did get a few guys back. Uh, Blake Cashman, Le'Veon Bell, obviously the big one. Um, so Michael, before we hop into a, a CYJ sadness mailbag we asked uh, some people on twitter uh for for some mailbag questions first how you doing man and second what are your thoughts on the game from sunday
1: i'm doing pretty good but i mean watching this team every week and me and you have been talking about it but it's it's, it's just so not entertaining there are so many fun games that you see every week while flipping to red zone and looking at all the other channels looking at the highlights after and i'm sitting here watching Joe Flacco. i was sitting here watching Trevon Wesco try to pick up fourth and ones. Uh, so it's, it's just, I wish they could be bad and entertaining, but obviously the jets we're pretty used to every year when the jets are bad, it's not in a fun way. It's in a very boring way, but uh, this is you where know, we're at right I, now. I kind of want to have a chance to finish this off and, you know, maybe get something out of it. If they I want to, I wanted, to, I wanted to spell moves, that.
0: Like- I wanted to spell that myth. How many bad teams are fun to watch? I you think, can I you can have Falcons, a team that has. I think
1: that's fun. I mean, it, it's easier to say that when you're not going through the actual choking. Uh, yeah, I'm sure Falcons fans they think. compete and actually have fun things happen in their games.
0: Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, like the end of 2018 is is a good example of it being fun, but you know. That, I feel like if they continued the way they were playing through a 16-game schedule, they weren't going to end up with the first I think maybe
1: it's less about fun, more about having more positive stuff to actually take out of it and build off of. Okay,
0: I guess that's fair. Yeah, I mean, uh, and we've said it, you know, the next 11 games, we're just kind of looking at at people who are going to be on the team next year or, you know, two or three years from now, evaluating Darnold. But also, yeah, looking at the draft class, Mims, Davis, um, Zuniga, obviously Becton. Um, so like, okay, I guess you're right. But I would say that no matter how the season goes, it's going to be sad, even if they have some fun games where they lose. Um, but there is that light at the end of the tunnel that if they do get the number one pick, the worst thing in the world is if, if you know, either Bill Belichick spots on week 17 or or they pick up a few wins because the team has to forfeit due to COVID. Now the jets are, are shitty and they pick fourth or, or, or something. So if you're going to be bad, it might as well be the best um, at, at being terrible. Um, so I, I, guess we can just hop right into the mailbag, but yeah, I mean, last thoughts on, 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 the Jets Cardinals would basically be that, you know, this is going to be, you know, shitty 11 weeks and, and we'll see if Adam Gase remains the coach throughout that time. Uh, they did reshuffle the schedule. So now the Jets play in Miami next week. And, and that was the game that, that I think me and you both thought, um, especially since it was going to be week 10, and they were going to have the bye week 11, that they could definitely make a change him losing to his former team, having that bye week. We'll see if it happens next week. If Darnold doesn't play though, I doubt it. Um, so let's just hop right into the mailbag, I guess, um, since there's not too much else to talk about. I'm sure plenty of topics will come up.
1: Well, I mean, um, so the biggest thing, the Cardinals game, I think, is I thought that this was less so than the Broncos game, but I thought they could have a decent chance in this game with Cardinals did not look impressive the last two weeks, uh, even though they were on the East coast against the Panthers, uh, another team coming from out West to play the jets on the East coast. So And also you had Flacco coming in, who's not better than Sam Darnold. But, you know, with the change, maybe there was a possibility things could click a little bit. Not that I expected that to happen or obviously it did not turn out that way. But it seemed like this could be a game they could compete. But these last two games are probably the best shots they are are going to have. All season and they lost by multiple scores in both of them so yeah it's it's not looking and, good
0: and and a lot of Jets fans were marking the Dolphins as, as a team they could potentially split with and the Dolphins just blew out the 49ers right the Dolphins at, definitely at looked home. like the next
1: potential beatable team but they just destroyed a 49ers team who destroyed the Jets so yeah and the
0: 49ers destroyed the Jets awesome on course. the yeah the 49ers destroyed the Jets also on the road um, but playing without a lot of their starters um so yeah that Dolphins team I, I don't know if I'd mark that as as a win at all uh and then outside of the Dolphins who is a team that the Jets can beat on this yeah, schedule there's
1: no game that the Jets will be favored in or that they should win but it's going 0-16 is a hard thing to do the Dolphins could not have tried any harder to do it last year and they still ended up winning five well, yeah out, and, and so. even
0: I agree with you I think you know they could you know pick up a, a sneaky win against the chargers or somebody like that, or the Browns or something, but the Browns are looking good. The Chargers are looking good. The Raiders are looking good. I mean, you look at the schedule and it there it's, it's a positive in the sense that um, if you're into the jets having the number one pick, it's a positive in the sense that uh, they probably will lose the majority. I mean, they will lose the majority of their, their remaining games. They could even lose every game uh, and ensure the number one pick, but it's a negative in the sense that, because their strength of schedule is so hard. If they tie with the giants or the Falcons or anybody, those two teams are going to have the higher pick because their schedules are easier, which makes them worse. So I guess you're kind of cheering for the jets to lose all their games and then the teams and their schedules to lose as well, to, to knock down that, that strength of schedule. But um, you kind of alluded to it, you know, how it's just unfun on Sundays. And, and I would say, yeah, probably even more so than in 2017 or, or 2014 or any of those years, Um, If I didn't have to do this podcast and don't get me wrong. I love doing this podcast, but if I wasn't hosting a podcast, I don't think I'd watch the games. If I was a Jets fan, I don't think I'd watch the games. I'd probably watch red zone um, and, you know, maybe listen to this podcast or something, but that's, I mean, unfathomable to me because I've sat through so many terrible seasons and this is just the one where it's just complete apathy. Like I'm not even mad when I'm the only thing that gets me mad is injuries at this point, I guess, but I'm watching it and I'm laughing when the other team scores a touchdown, which is. Nor, an emotion I, when they I had the delay I've, of game after the turnover in the red zone that was pretty hilarious yeah but like if that was even even a year ago i would have been angry you know uh, yeah yeah just, exactly a year ago i broke a few things in my house watching games and this year i don't even care and it's that's probably the biggest sign that the johnsons have lost this fan base it's it's turned from anger to just apathy and people are unfollowing the social media account people are not watching the games people are not going to want to buy Jets tickets, you know, the next generation of Jets fans, I don't know where they're going to be at because I think me and you, Michael, kind of got in on those early 2000s Jets teams that were pretty good, especially the 2009, 2010, even the 2008 squad. um That's how we became Jets fans in a way. I mean, I would have been regardless because of my dad, but if you're a, a young kid and you're watching the 2014 Jets and the 2017 Jets and the 2019 and 20 Jets, I mean, it's like, do you want to sit and watch this team on Sundays when Patrick Mahomes is? playing backyard football and Lamar Jackson is Barry Sanders at quarterback. Um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely a concerning time for the Jets franchise, but I will say I'm, I am still confident in general manager, Joe Douglas. I know he's come under fire and I'm sure we'll, we'll answer some questions about him and his free agency class. Cause I, he's come under fire as the next sort of scapegoat, although nobody expects him to be fired or, or anything, but the Johnsons. Um, so let's hop right into it, Michael um, from at Alex underscore uh, junior, Eleven eighty-seven. Who are the top head coaching candidates, and why would any of them want to attempt to save this franchise from the dumpster fire we are um, in, or maybe we are? Question mark. Um, Michael, I'll throw this over to you, but really quickly, I think we kind of touched on this last week on on the importance of if the Jets are going to suck, you want to get that number one pick because that, in addition to, to many other things, you can do for your franchise, it makes your your um, your team a much more attractive spot for for any potential head coaching candidates.
1: Yeah, that's a really important point because um, you know, like the question kind of points to the Jets aren't the most attractive destination right now. There aren't a lot of positive things associated with this team at the moment. But if you can promise a prospective head coach, especially an offensive uh, someone from the offensive side, of the ball, uh, the opportunity to come in and you know start to start rebuilding this team with Trevor Lawrence uh, to come in and know you can have the chance to draft him uh, is a big plus and definitely helps them quite a bit it would be a boost for any team but especially for this one that really lacks um, reasons for a coach to come here Uh, it it would be a huge boost to have that in the head coaching search but uh, in terms of the top candidates I think there's a guy that me and you've (laughs) talked a little bit about he's my he's my
0: twitter header for god's sakes
1: yeah I think it's Arthur something Arthur (laughs) Smith I think yeah he's pretty good
0: Yeah. I, I, Arthur Smith is definitely our clear cut favorite um, for the CYJ duo, but yeah, I mean, Eric Bieniemi from the chiefs, um, Greg Roman um, from the Ravens. There's that Douglas connection there. Joe Brady is getting a lot of uh, of attention and it's ironic because I know Matt rule was the the candidate that most jets people or jets fans on Twitter wanted. um, And he was going to be the jets head coach and the big stick up in the, in the contract negotiations, why it fell through was he wanted to pick his own coordinators like, pretty much every single head coach does the Jets wanted to pair him with Adam Gase. He said, no. And now Matt rule chooses his offensive coordinator. Who's going to be a future head coach. So just, that's the way things are as a, as a Jets fan, but I mean, yeah, any, I mean, I know there's um, look, if the Jets hire a defensive guy, I'm not going to throw him under the bus immediately because I I know the most important thing in a head coach. And we've learned, this is is a leader of uh, men. You want a a guy who can be a CEO for your team, make people want to play for you. I mean, you look at the other three teams in the FCE, specifically the dolphins, and the bills, they hired two young defensive minded head coaches and they have their guys playing uh, at a level. The jets are not even close to, at this point, they play hard for the, for their guys. So my preference is always going to be an offensive guy because I I firmly believe, especially if you're bringing in another young quarterback, um, or even if you're sticking with Sam Darnold, if you hire a defensive head coach and then he has to bring in an offensive uh, coordinator, who's, Uh, If there's any sort of success there, that offensive coordinator is going to be hired away, and then your quarterback is going to have to learn a new system. Um, So I I do like the idea of hiring an offensive-minded head coach and letting a quarterback get comfortable in a system, because I think that's more important than continuity in a defensive system, especially in today's offensive league. So yeah, I mean, our our clear-cut favor is Arthur Smith, but Eric Biniemi, Greg Roman, um, Joe Brady, uh, I'm sure, Brian Dable from Buffalo, uh, any of those guys, I think, are, are right now kind of the top of our, of our lists. Uh, and I think Ac-
1: Todd Todd Munkin is a good option as well. He
0: has experience on
1: both sides, has head coaching experience in college, turning around uh, some pretty bad programs like the Jets are right now, NFL offensive coordinator experience. Didn't go too well in Cleveland last year, but he did a great job in Tampa Bay. But right. he, he's a really good all-around candidate in terms of a guy who can take the head coaching position and really – have uh, just be able to uh, assist the team in a lot of different ways again has experience on both sides has done really well offensively so he really offers a lot of things i think so he's a good option as well to throw in there
0: yeah he was certainly a guy in 2018 that that i liked um i'm not sure if he if he's done enough uh in the last two years to to warrant a head coaching shot but we'll see what he does at georgia And, and certainly look i'm open to anything i i I would imagine whoever they hire in January, assuming Adam Gase is fired, uh, is going to have me feeling a lot more optimistic than I do right now uh, about this current uh, coach, because I can't imagine it being any worse. But I don't even want to say that, because in my experience as a Jets fan, they, they always find a way to break your heart. Um, at Jets Joe 73 who would your dream draft pick be with the Jets' second first-round pick? Uh, he said his is Trey Smith. Um, Yeah, I mean, a lot of talk has been about the Jets first um, first round draft pick, especially if it's number one, the Trevor Lawrence debate. We talked about that a lot on the last episode. But the second, you know, the the Seahawks draft pick is the one that's kind of flown under the radar. The Seahawks are obviously a very good team. That pick could be 32. It could be somewhere in the low 20s, assuming Seattle makes the playoffs. Um, But you know, that's luckily why they got two of them in back-to-back years. But that pick is a, is a very valuable pick. Don't let anybody tell you just because it's the end of the first round that it's not valuable. Uh, the vast majority of, of great players in the NFL come on day two. Um, and, and so if the Jets do, unfortunately, suck, and the Seahawks are very good, uh, those Jets' second first-round pick and then their second-round pick could be within five picks. It could be within back-to-back. It could be, um, you know, within – I don't think it'd be back-to-back now that I think about it since they flip them. But the point is, is that those two picks are going to be close to each other and and that's a a real good opportunity for the jets um, to, uh, to, to build up the roster. Uh, Michael, I'll go to you again. Um, And you can, I guess for this exercise, you can say that the jets are drafting Trevor Lawrence first. I know that is your preference. You're catching a lot of heat for it on Twitter, but that might help you make, make a decision with with the second first round pick. So I know it's early. Normally, I, w- I don't think we'd even ask this question because it's it's October, but given the Jets, se- the way the Jets season is going, there's not much else to look forward to as a Jets fan, so I guess we can open it up for some draft discussions.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not even halfway through October. We're already talking about what they're going to do in the draft, but I guess that's just, you know, the state of being a Jets fan pretty much uh, most seasons, but, uh, you know, sometimes they have, have had us not talking about the draft until maybe early November, but Early October, it is this year. But uh, I do think with that Seahawks pick that getting some support for, you know, if you do draft Trevor Lawrence, like you said that, you know, we are assuming in this scenario, to get some support from him would be huge because you go back to what the Jets did for Darnold in 2018. Their first pick after taking him was Nathan Shepard. That's just not going to get it done. So uh, to to be able to back up Lawrence with uh, a late first round pick and then an early second round pick, is going to be huge if they take advantage uh, and get the help that he needs. And they do have huge defensive needs. They're going to need a huge move at edge if they don't make a big move in free agency or the trade market. Cornerback's going to be in need. Linebacker's in need. Safety's looking like it's going to be in need. (laughs) Pretty much everything on defense. Really, that's not even an exaggeration. Pretty Anything on defense is going to be in need. You don't even know if Marcus May is going to be back. Uh, defensive tackle. You have some good pieces, but you no, know, we'll we still have to see if Quinnen can make that jump, but, but still, I think the biggest thing is to support your quarterback, try to do, not that, you know, the same people around as last time, but the reason that we're at where we are right now is because the jets did not give Sam Darnold enough help to start his career out. They drafted an ancient defensive tackle. They didn't have a second round pick obviously, because they traded up uh, traded some of those to get him. Um, so they did not do a good job building around him. So with this late first round pick, there are a lot of different places you can go. You can get you know, go to the guard position where you're probably going to need two new starters next season. Hopefully Cameron Clark emerges, but it, it's going to be hard for him to lock that down in one season, even if he does show promise. But uh, you could go guard. There will be receivers available probably you can grab at that point. Uh, although it does look like there probably might be a run on those before uh, the jets come on the clock but i mean so much can change yeah next
0: six months i think makai beckton was was projected to be a second round pick yeah
1: makai was like he was never even in that conversation until the last couple months uh really the combine is what shot him up into the conversation but so much can change so there's really no point in Talking about you know where the receiver run is going to be, who's going to be available at that point. Right. Uh, in terms of positions, I would love to see a wide receiver or a guard at that Seahawks pick. Uh,
0: yeah, I agree with that. I, I think yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head that the number one goal is to surround your young quarterback, whether it be Trevor Lawrence, whether that be Sam Darnold, or even Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Um, which I don't I don't think it would be. I think it's probably between Lawrence and Darnold. The biggest lesson you've learned. The last three years is you need to surround your, your young quarterback with some help Darnold is still very young um so that still applies to him so i agree a receiver offensive line um running back even um but they will have those two picks as i said back to back so you can and i don't really... think
1: i'd go running back with that pick
0: i don't think i'd go running back either yeah. but if it's travis Etienne or something i mean look i mean the, the raiders did take josh jacobs at the end of their first round pick and, and he's looking like a pro bowler so I, I wouldn't take running back. And I they, think I'd they save. do have
1: a fantastic O line,
0: though. That's true. I, I would save running back for for the third round, probably, if I was going to yeah. try to take one. But um, so, yeah, probably more receiver or offensive line. Maybe even tight end. Chris Herndon's not looking too good. And, and Kyle Pitts from, from Miami is looking amazing, but I don't think he's going to fall that far. Um, but yeah, probably O line or receiver. The only way I would ever take a defensive prospect uh, is if one of two things pretty much one thing if a top defensive prospect fell somebody who really fell and preferably an edge rusher if there's a guy sitting there like joseph joseph aside from texas or somebody like that um who you know can come in immediately and get after the passer i'd probably take him um but a really good opportunity with those two picks that are going to be close to each other to to build around your young quarterback um so i mean we have plenty more months to discuss that Um, At NZ Jets said, Adoga is being graded quite highly on PFF. Does that translate to what you guys are seeing? Do we have something at right tackle with him, Michael, again, I'll throw this over to you.
1: I'm not sure if, because I have seen that he has gotten really, really good run blocking grades. And I I know he did in that, in his first start uh, when he came in, in I I believe the Colts game. Uh, I don't think he's been that good. I, I do think that they're overrating him quite a bit. Uh, especially in this game against uh, the Cardinals. He gave up two sacks and both of the guys he gave up sacks to never had a sack in their career coming into this game against the Jets over three years. So I don't think he's been that good. He hasn't been terrible. I, I think you can say he's improved off of last season uh, and could potentially be a good swing tackle for them. But I don't think he's been as good as Uh, some of the PFF grades he's got and I do think they're overrating him and they've really the grades had some questionable conclusions on the Jets this year Connor McGovern has not definitely not been as good as he was for the Broncos last year and a little bit disappointing but uh, they've been grading him worse than Jonathan Harrison last year which is completely absurd he's again been less than you hoped to be getting but he's not been awful and that's how they've been grading him so I do think they are a little bit or quite a bit off on Adoga, but I mean, he has showed to be, I think he showed that showed you that he can be a decent, a decent depth piece. Yeah. But I do think the future tackle is obviously of Becton on the left. And I think having fan on that right side, hopefully he can continue his hot start and show you that you can feel comfortable uh, keeping him on his about 9 million price tag. Going into next season and he didn't play Fant did not play well at left tackle in this game against the Cardinals, but you can cut him some slack for that. He obviously uh, has, you know, been building that momentum at right tackle. So hopefully once he gets back there, he can continue pick up where he left off uh, from the first few games. But in terms of the I think you could have a good solid backup there, but I don't think he's shown you enough to, to be considered a future piece or even better than Fant at this point.
0: Yeah, I, I think that the Jets have so many needs. You were just talking about the defensive side of the ball and that pretty much every area is a need that I actually think tackle right now for the Jets shouldn't be something they should really target next year. I think you do roll again with Fant, unless he you know, really has a, a downward spiral to end the year. I, I do think you just keep paying him. I think he's, he's due 10 million next year. Um, because he, I think he's been serviceable, certainly starting level. And I think Adoga is solid depth. And obviously, Mekhi Becton has been great. Sure, you could maybe sign a backup tackle or, or take a tackle in the fourth or fifth. But given all the other needs, I actually think that um, the Jets shouldn't do much a tackle. And, and Adoga, like you said, I think he is certainly a solid depth, good spot starter, great swing tackle. Um, but like you just talked about with Fant and Becton, I'm, I'm actually okay with the tackle spots for right now. Um, certainly in maybe in 2022 or even 2023, that's when you're going to look to replace George Fant. Um, and, and you know, that's you know, two years right there that Adoga could potentially audition. And if and if he keeps improving, he is still young, was a third round pick last year. Maybe he could be George Fant's successor, but I, I would probably expect him to just be a more of a depth piece from at the fake Matt Gold. Who could the Jets deal at the deadline? And then he put you know, Levy on Bell for a fourth, maybe Foley Fadakasi for a third. I think I don't think Fardigasi is going anywhere. I I wish the Jets were using him more. He's been slightly worse than he was last year, but I don't think he's getting as much playing time as he deserves because he looks you know like the Jets' best nose tackle last season. Um, so I'm not dealing him, especially as a young piece and one of the few pieces that I would say that are going to be on the roster next year. Le'Veon Bell, though, absolutely. I mean, he could be traded before the trade deadline, um, but at the deadline, I don't know if the Jets get a fourth unless he has you know a couple really good weeks here. I actually thought he looked arguably the best he's ever looked for the jets last week. He just didn't get as many touches. You know, when you think about the amount of five yard carries that Le'Veon Bell was getting, I mean, that's what he did in Pittsburgh. He's never going to be a guy that's ripping off 20 yard gains, but in Pittsburgh, he was getting a consistent four to 10 yards every carry. He was a high volume guy getting 25 to 30 touches. You could throw it to him and he would just control the game, dominate the game and wear in the defense. It's amazing that the jets offense isn't running through him. Um, But as far from a tank perspective, you can't complain about it. Um, so unless Le'Veon has a really good few games here before the trade deadline, I would say, what, what do you think, Michael, a fifth for Le'Veon Bell and, and are there anybody else uh, on the roster that you think the Jets could explore trading?
1: Yeah. And I think the thing with Bell is that him not being used is making it harder to showcase him for teams to, that might potentially be interested in trading for him. I mean, last game, 13 carries to Gore's nine, one target in the whole game it's going to take more than that to get teams to buy into him uh, coming off of the year that he had in 2019, or yeah, in 2019, obviously in terms of his own play, he wasn't that bad, but the production definitely wasn't there uh, last season, although that was mostly on the O-line, but it, I do think that if they're going to you know, be able to trade him. Then he's probably going to need more touches to really get the chance to get teams to buy into him. But I, I think you're right right now, it probably wouldn't be that much. Fourth, maybe fifth. It doesn't seem like they they would be able to get too much for him. But at this point, that would definitely be worth it because it does not seem like he's going to be back next year. Again, the production hasn't been there. He's already he's going to be 29 years old next year. He's a running back that Joe Douglas did not sign, and Douglas did draft with Michael P Ryan this year. So it doesn't seem like that Douglas is going to want to have that deal. On the books after next season or after this season, going into next year, so it seems pretty likely they're not going to keep him around. So if you can get something for him, uh, it would it would be worth it, no matter what it was. Right. Um, but it, and also with Bell, also I mean, he he liked one of your tweets i was suggesting that <laughs> you uh, you well, said like this tweet if you think Adam Gase should be fired. And then he liked to reply to it, and then he unliked it later. So that's pretty interesting. But it seems like and Adam Gase actually was asked a question. About the tweet, liking all of that. So that's yeah. Definitely I, I said this to you beforehand. I, I think now. there's
0: there's probably what what do you think a 35 percent chance that Adam Gase had to read uh, my tweet that that Le'Veon Bell liked to reply to that said like this tweet if you think the Jets should fire Adam Gase. Yeah, I mean, he probably does not have a Twitter. So as soon as he was out the, oh, out, as on. soon as he
1: was out of the press conference, he probably asked the PR guys like, oh, show, show me some of these uh, tweets. Uh, yeah, they're, they're talking about and <laughs> or, and or he logged on to him. He's like sees the cooler jets he's like oh, make him make him delete that no adam you don't delete it you unlike it just do it and then that's probably how it went down
0: <laughs> uh, or he logged on to to wyatt v18 and and <laughs> was was looking at all, all our tweets and uh obviously he saw all your take so i would imagine he probably blocked you already <laughs> um uh but yeah i mean as far as if there's anybody else outside of bell um Joe Douglas really wants to blow things up. I mean, he could trade a guy like Jameson Crowder. He could trade Avery Williamson. Oh no, no, let's um, let's,
1: let's stop right there. We're not trading Crowder. Marcus Best May, slot man in the league.
0: Uh, well, I'm just I'm not saying I would. I'm just saying there. It wouldn't surprise me if there was somebody like that. Somebody Brian Poole, Somebody we weren't expecting that could go. Especially if the Jets are at the trade deadline, trade deadline, and they're winless, which is a very realistic possibility that Joe Douglas could, could blow it up even further and just say, let me get as many picks as possible. I don't think I would trade Crowder because I, think, I don't think you're going to draft anybody who's better. You have a great slot guy. You want to help your own quarterback. But certainly guys like May, Poole, Williamson, I, I could see him moving. Um, yeah, I do think anything's on the table. But at the same
1: time, this is the NFL. Trade deadline deals are not too common. It's not the NBA or Major League Baseball. So you could see one, maybe two. And I would expect that based on how the season is going, uh, but there, I don't think there is going to be a complete fire sale because that just really isn't common in the NFL.
0: Right. Um, at Frank uh, J. um says, "When do the Jets actually make the move to let go of Gase? Surely there's no way he lasts the season. Additionally, which head coaching prospect uh, can develop players because this roster is void of talent of almost everywhere? Jody is looking worse by the day. Letting this continue." Um, I mean, we kind of already talked about who we, we obviously want Arthur Smith, but as far as when the jets make the move for Gase and, and Michael, I think you've turned your, your tune a little bit or uh, change your tune. Um, in the sense that you're almost on board with the jets keeping Gase throughout the entire season, uh, j- as long as that ensures that the jets get the number one pick. Okay. So I, from, a from that standpoint, it,
1: I guess it would be helpful, but I mean, realistically, I obviously think they should have fired him after. I should have fired him weeks ago. Should never, never have hired him in the first place. Even after 2019 would have made sense. So uh, would have made sense. So I definitely think that they should fire him for the sake of all the players in the roster, for the sake of Sam Darnold, just to get some juice back in the building for their Jesus. sake. Definitely. So yeah, of course. But uh, I do think uh, that firing Gase is something they absolutely should do. But I mean, if you are into tanking, which I pretty kind of am on board with at this point, then I think Ace definitely helps with that. Uh, and, and I posted a stat a few weeks ago when teams fire coaches, they do get better. Their win percentage goes up uh, from somewhere around 280 to about up to in the three hundreds, about 10% higher uh, when, when they fire their coaches and go to the interim. Uh, so it does make the team better to fire coaches. Yeah. So it's a, it's it, a short-term so, boost in the sense that yeah, it, provides it does provide hope. that short-term boost. So, obviously I think Gay should be fired. He does not deserve to have this job, did not deserve to have it coming in, and he's only progressively week after week made himself look even less qualified. So, of course, I think he should be fired. But if you're a fan of tanking and you're willing to just see everything go downhill for the sake of getting that number one pick, then, you know, Gay sticking around does help because he's quite awful. I think we've definitely seen that by this point. But, uh, of course, I think he should be fired as soon as possible and it would be so huge for the development of everyone just give, giving the Jets a better chance to evaluate everyone and then from a, a fan standpoint it would probably make it much more exciting to watch it doesn't mean they'd be great but it, it still would give you it would make you feel more comfortable rooting for them to win
0: right yeah I mean I'd rather lose with Brent Boyer than Adam Gase is, is kind of my, my perspective on it um, but yeah I mean I, I agree I think there's probably a higher chance that if the Jets switch to, to Boyer or Greg, that they could steal a few games, um, but I think there's a good chance that it could happen on on Sunday um, if if Darnold's healthy and he plays and they get blown out by Miami, I think that is probably cause to, to change. Yeah, um, I do think it's worth you know Miami's a
1: division rival, probably considered the biggest um, classic or longtime rival of the Jets, so that might speak to the Johnsons a little bit more. So. I mean, I guess you have that. And also with Darnold returning.
0: And well, and you also get the, yeah. pa- I think the, the Patriots on Monday night football, I think that's also, a, you know, another prime time if they get blown out, which they most likely will by Bill Belichick again. I think that's just another opportunity. I, I think I, yeah, I agree. With you. I'd rather the Jets fire Gase. I'd rather, <laughs> I mean, look, I, th- I agree with you that I think Trevor Lawrence at number one is quite tempting. And if that opportunity is there, uh, you str- really strongly have to consider it. Um, but I would rather, I guess, see the Jets make a coaching change and a lot of the young guys flourish and win some games here. But that's just my perspective as a fan. From an objective perspective, it's better for this team to just lose out. Um, so, I, you know, I guess the Jets should keep Gates. There's always the nightmare scenario in my head that that the Johnsons give him another year. Um, I, I can't see that happening and under any circumstance, though. So I think it's pretty safe to say that he won't be the coach January 1st, um, but You'd like to see that that change happen in October. Um, yeah, but-
1: I think the fact that they haven't fired a coach in season before the Johnsons haven't kind of makes me think he's going to stick around the whole year. But they haven't had but a coach like him, though. They have not had a coach like him, though. Even Bulls, I mean, in 2018, they started the season three and three. They were not right. 0, and, zero and six like they're about to be. So that was a lot different. And Bulls had the first year where he was successful, even though that was. Three years before 2018, his final season, uh, and it, it felt was, like they were
0: more competitive. And I mean, obviously the beginning yeah, part I think of the season, they were but definitely more competitive.
1: Like they like, even went to Chicago and kind of played with a really good Bears team. They yeah, it was, lost like, the Miami game, and his defense was mostly. And look, this isn't Bowles' praise that should have kept him anything. Just comparing him to Adam Gase, his defense showed some things. It was good at times. Adam Gase's offense is has been the worst in the league unquestionably, for two years in a row. So it's, yeah, it's, you're right. It's, that's Do a really like good point that you make. That's a really good point that you... The, he, there is no one that they've had as bad as him.
0: Right. It's a really good point that you make that, you know, Bowles is a defensive guy, and although the offense certainly had its struggles and the team as a whole, his defense was normally among... I don't want to say the best units in the league, but it was a solid unit every year. If the jets were terrible, but the offense was a solid unit every year, you could make a case for not firing Gay midseason season, or even that, that he could return. It's the fact that he's the offensive guy and his offense is terrible. The defense is terrible, but you know, last year it was the only competent thing on the team and that's Greg Williams. So he's had nothing to do with the jet success, whereas Bulls did have a say in some of the jets wins because it was his defense that, that won a lot of those games. Uh, we have a few here from, from at sports underscore fiend with a, with a three as the E. Um, what percentage would you give the Jets going 0-16 for the season at this point after looking at the schedule? It is more like more likely with each passing week. So, Michael, let's go ahead and look up the Jets schedule. And I want you to tell me um, – well, first of all, I guess you can answer the question as far as overall what percentage chance do you think they, they, they could finish 0-16. And, and then we're going to run through every game here real quickly. And I want you to see if if there's any that you think the Jets could th- theoretically win. Okay?
1: Yeah, I think going 0 and 16 probably about maybe 15 to 20 percent. It's just a really hard thing to do. There are a lot of bad teams in the league every year, but going 0 and 16 takes uh, it takes a lot of luck. It's the I, reverse of going 16 and 0, being a number one seed. It's a hard thing to do, but they do have a very, a relatively very good chance. Of doing it. This is a team that has lost all five games by multiple scores, including a game against a team with its third string quarterback. Uh, so they've been extremely uncompetitive, they have the worst point differential in the league, their offense is the worst in the league, their defense is down there. So it they have as good of a chance as really any team can have. But at the same time, it's it's just a very hard thing to do. And and look at the Dolphins last year. It said, like I said earlier, they they were trying to tank. They completely gutted that roster, and they threw five games were even worse than the Jets were this year. They were abysmal, but then out of nowhere, they turned it around. And look, right. Brian Flores, better than Adam Gase. Ryan Fitzpatrick, we know what he does. He has his hot streaks. But at the same time, that team was really, really bad, even worse well, than this Jets team.
0: I yeah, agree with you. I agree with you. But I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I was about to say exactly what you were going to say, that it's so hard, and and it is. But I would say that there's – probably uh, there's a might be a 40% chance that they don't win a game. And if you're going to say they only win one game, that might be like 65 or 70, let's run through these, let's run through these, these games right here. So they've shuffled the schedule around. So now they're in Miami, um, which given the performance Miami just put on uh, these two Miami games are probably the the most winnable games that, that they could steal. And maybe Miami comes in like, you know, thinking they're hot shit and they underestimate the jets, but in Miami, a team that's playing well under Brian Flores. So, loss, I would imagine. Right, Michael?
1: Well, look, I mean, if you go game by game, there's no game that you can look at think they should win. It's just a hard okay, thing all to right, do. All right,
0: all right, let me read it out then. At Miami, loss. Home for Buffalo, loss. In Kansas City, lol. Home for New England on Monday Night Football, loss. Um, I'm sorry, they, they moved the schedule around. And then it's... uh. By week so by week 10 so then week. at chargers yeah, okay. at chargers loss justin herbert's playing well home for I mean, the dolphins that's
1: probably one of the do probably the most likely one but even
0: that one's not no I mean, no, no i would say i would say the, play
1: well in the west coast
0: just don't play well in the west coast justin herbert's looking good i would say the most likely is right there which is home against the dolphins i think they have a chance there so that's that i think they're going to go one in 15 and win that game home against the raiders they just beat the chiefs they're looking great loss in Seattle, traveling west, Seattle's one of the best teams in the league, loss. In L.A., west coast, playing the Rams, one of the better teams in the league, loss. Home against Cleveland, I mean, they, they're looking great this year, have a ton of weapons, loss. And then in New England, and barring Bill Belichick letting the Jets win because he wants to avoid him, you know, the Jets getting Trevor Lawrence, that's a loss. So I would say, if I had to make my prediction, I think they're going to go 1-15 and beat the Dolphins at home. And you just have to hope that the Giants win two games giants did look competitive against the cowboys yesterday so you know it's, yeah. it's possible i'll probably go two and
1: i'll probably go two and 14 give them the the home dolphins game uh and maybe i maybe they go back to back and beat the chargers and the dolphins but i mean i'm just saying they're they're very bad they're the worst team in the nfl but like even you look at the browns in 2017 when they went 0 and 16 they Lost six games by one score, so they went 0 and 6 in those close games. You have to lose every single one to, to be able to pull that off. So, as bad as they were, they were in almost half of their games. Well, but the you Jets have to have been lose in zero all games. Of those. Well, the Jets, I, I, have been well, in I zero mean, they game, technically so. were in the Broncos game, I actually. Guess, they were in but, the Cardinals one a little bit, and they were kind of in that one. But I, I mean, look, it's they're they're super bad, they're the favorites for the number one for the number one pick uh super bad is a great movie by the way but they are they're a fan- fantastically bad team they are the favorite to get the number one pick but owen 16 is very hard to do and does take some luck uh,
0: another one from at uh, sports underscore fiend wise her to become so terrible in this offense do you have any idea why he's regressed as a threatened offense i mean he's a perfect candidate for the post adam Gase career revival i think I-, I would put 100 bucks on it right now that I mean, I don't imagine you're taking that bet because I think you probably agree with me that as soon as, as Chris Herndon leaves Adam Gase, whether it's on the Jets or not, he's going to have a good career. I mean, we saw it in 2018. He put up great numbers. He looks great. Right now, I mean, he is getting open like you've talked about. He's struggling with the drops. And so that's not all on, all, all on Adam Gase, but I still think he's a talented player. I think right now for him, I think it's a combination of, yeah, Gase needs to scheme him open, but I think it's a confidence issue right now for, for Herndon. I think he's just... I don't know if it's playing under Gase or playing on a losing team or fighting his way back from injury or just that he's had a rough start to the season and he's in his own head. But that drop on Sunday, that's not who Chris Herndon is as a player. He's just getting in his head about it. And I think that as soon as he has a a fresh start with a new head coach, hopefully on the Jets, I think he's going to turn that around. Um, But he's getting open. I mean, uh, Michael, what do you see?
1: Yeah I mean I think he's been open enough to do what he did in 2018 it's just uh, the drops have been very bad at this point point. Um, and he almost had his second lost fumble in this game but they overturned it that one could have went uh, either way so when the ball has come his way he's not been holding on to it nearly enough as he should be um, and he did kind of had drop have drop problems early in his rookie season eventually he started making some great catches but in terms of the hands, he didn't have a lot of bobbling catches throughout the season. He had some spectacular ones, like the one-hander against Green Bay. But the, the hands definitely seemed like an issue for him. So that is persisting, not to this extent that he has this season, but uh, it, it definitely seems like just, you know, whatever you can say about drops. It, it is what it is, the confidence, the focus. Uh, because the one he had against uh, the Cardinals in this most recent game was probably his worst of the season. There was no one in his area would have been a first down. So that has to be a lot better. Um, And I do think Darnold missed him on quite a few plays in the first few games, uh, especially uh, there was one play against the Colts where Herndon uh, did what he did in 2018, improvised got himself open for what could have been a deep shot for about 40 yard touchdown, but Darnold scrambled for the first down, didn't see it. So uh, for the most part, it is his drops at this point more so than Darnold missing him. But Darnold did miss a few sh- a few shots earlier in the season. Uh, and in terms of Gase, the one number that did pop out is that going into this uh, game against the Cardinals, Herndon had only run twenty four and a half percent of his routes out of the slot, compared to forty nine percent in twenty eighteen. So half as much, uh, and even and that's even with the Jets battling a lot of injuries wide receiver. So even more incentive to put him out there. Uh, So that's something Gase can do better. But at the same time, right now, it's mostly just Herndon doing a really bad job with the drops, but Darnold did miss him a couple times early on. So, so we'll see the potential is there for him to turn it around because it's not like he hasn't been open. Uh, He's just not pulling the ball in. So uh, the potential is there for him to turn around in this season. So he's just got to do a lot, a much better job pulling that ball in.
0: Right. The last one from Matt sports underscore Fiend. What is fair compensation for Le'Veon Bell and Sam on the trade market? We already talked about Le'Veon. So we'll just focus on Sam. He also asks, uh, which team would you like to see Sam start over with for his career after the Jets demolished it up to this point? I agree with you. They, they've completely ruined Sam, but like you said, Michael, you know, he has regressed in his own right. There are things that that he should be doing, you know, regardless of the talent around him and the coaching. But I agree that that I think Sam will have a a long and, and good career in the NFL Um, It could still be with the Jets if he comes back and they win some games. But in this scenario, let's say the Jets do go 1-15 and or winless and they have that first pick. They take Trevor Lawrence. Um, Now they're looking to trade Sam. And as far as his compensation, I mean, this really depends on how he finishes the season. I I think there was a report from Adam Schefter, I think it was, um, as far as NFL GMs are saying it could be between a 2 and a 4, depending on how he plays. I agree with that sentiment. I would say that I could even see him getting a 1. I know there's been some pushback on that um it's kind of a you know a catch 22 in the sense that i think he could get a 1 but if he's worth a 1 he probably wins some games for the jets so they're probably not picking first so they're probably not getting trevor lawrence if there's a weird scenario where he comes back he plays well they win 3 games they're picking 4th um but the jets hired Greg Roman or something. And he wants to pick Trey Lance, just a crazy scenario like this. And they want to trade him. Then I think they could get a one, but if you're picking one and you're looking at Trevor Lawrence, assuming Darnold kind of plays the way he's been playing, maybe he has some good games, but they, you know, go winless or win one game. I think, yeah, I think a, a, a two or a three is probably valuable or probably right. What do you think uh, Michael? And as far as teams, uh, any, any that come to mind?
1: I think you made a great point about if, if Darnold gets himself to the point where he's worth a first-round pick, then I think the Jets will probably be in a position to where you know keeping him might be a viable option. Because right now, I think I'm with you probably, probably a third or a second, which you know for a young quarterback definitely is not a lot of value, a lot of value for a guy who's 23 years old, uh, picked top three a couple of years ago. Uh, But that's just where his value is at right now. And you brought up the the report from Schefter that kind of had the same sentiment. I think there was one in there, uh, one GM, that even said, I think, a fourth. So his value is definitely not high right now. So if he does get to the point where he's worth a first, then he probably played pretty well to get his stock up to that point. And if he does play that well, then the Jets probably won a few games to get themselves out of that first pick. So at that point, he might be worth keeping over – you know, potentially restarting with someone else. But uh, the biggest thing is that there are 11 games left for him to, you know, change his value, uh, be able to make himself more attractive to other teams, or even audition to keep his spot with the Jets, because we're assuming that uh, right now, they're just going to go 0 16, get Trevor Lawrence, uh, and it's just going to be an easy decision to trade him. But uh, he does have a lot of time to try to turn this thing around and hold on to his spot going to next year and win some games to push the Jets out of Trevor Lawrence contention. So I think a lot can change uh, in terms of his trade value and his future, state, uh, future status with his team over the next 11 games. But teams that could take a chance on him, I think you have to look at the teams with veteran quarterbacks who are looking to move on soon. I think the Colts make sense, which is ironic considering that's a team Uh, The Jets traded with to get him, but uh, that's a team that I think you could look at the Steelers maybe, although those are in conference teams, but you know, they're not in division, so it's not too bad. Uh, But those are
0: two that come to mind pretty got I got three for you right now. Ready? First. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Probably the most sense, San Francisco. After you saw Jimmy Garoppolo get benched last week, clearly San Francisco is still a good team. They're not as good as they were. They're missing Bosa. They're missing some players. But they're a team that's going to win enough games to be out of the, obviously, the Trevor Lawrence game, but the, out of the Justin Fields, out of the Trey Lance competition without trading up. So if they're picking 21st, something like that, I could definitely see them hopping in the Sam Darnold sweepstakes. Number two, Chicago Bears. I think similarly to, to San Francisco, probably more likely, I would say, because didn't Jimmy Garoppolo get a big contract extension? I don't, I don't, I think I don't. Yeah, he did. So he is under
1: contract for two more years.
0: So there's a, I mean, I think they'll move on from Jimmy G, but there's a question with how much money they're paying him. And then they might have to pay Darnold, if the, whatever. But I think Chicago is probably more likely, but I'm putting him at number two because I'd rather see him go to San Francisco because I think that's a great fit for him and his style. But Chicago, another great fit, Matt Nagy, I think would, would do wonders with Darnold. They're another team that I think they're four and one, am I right? Yeah. They're four and yeah, one. they are. So they have clearly won enough games to get out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. And unless they bomb the rest of their games, they're going to be out of the fields and land sweepstakes as well. So they're a team that I expect to be picking 17th, something like that. They're a team and probably the most likely team in my mind, perfect for the jets. Cause he's out of conference. Um, and I think he fits Nagy. They're going to move on from Trubisky. I don't think Foles is a long-term answer. They're out of range for a top quarterback prospect. I think Donald makes a lot of sense there. Uh, lastly, Least likely because they did just get Jameis Winston, but the New Orleans Saints, I think, are another team. Breeze clearly is last year. I don't think Taysom Hill is any sort of answer at the quarterback position. And Jameis has upset, but if I had to pick between Jameis and Darnold, I'm going with Darnold. I think his upside is higher, and I think you can definitely point to the fact that he's had terrible coaching, hasn't been surrounded by much. Jameis, at least, did have Todd Munkin in Tampa Bay. Uh, He did have Arians for a year. He had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. He's a little bit older. So I think Darnold is the better prospect. So there are certainly teams, and there's others, um, but those are the teams that come to my mind. Um, And I will say, I I don't think he's going to go for fourth. I think he's going to go for higher because he is a very valuable chip for the Jets, despite the fact that he hasn't performed to expectations and the fact that he is 23 years old. He's had incredible flashes. It's been the consistency that that he's struggled with. And look at what he's been surrounded with. I think there are a lot of teams that had him as their number one quarterback in 2018, and he is a used car, and but he doesn't have many miles on him. So I think that there are going to be a lot of teams like the ones we just mentioned, and even more um, that will say, yeah, I'll, I'll take my second round pick and I'll give it to for Sam Darnold. I'll split it down the middle. I'll say a third for Sam Darnold, just based off how he's playing. If he plays well, has some better games, I could see the Jets running a, a bargain, try to get that second round pick. The only leverage they lose is if, they, they do have the number one pick. People are going to know they're going to take Lawrence, so they might lose some leverage there. But I think Joe Douglas, we've seen him be able to work leverage, understanding value. I think he could squeeze out a second-round pick for Darnold. Um, at Gino to a WOSU TD, with each week getting worse and worse, would a blowout next week against a division where I'll finally get ownership to fire Gates Gaze so really struck with him for the rest of the season? Um, That's a I great think, username. I, I know. It was <laughs> it really brings brings back fond memories of – other great jets teams um (laughs) we kind of already answered this in in an earlier one um but i do think there is a really good chance for for this week michael what are your thoughts i know we kind of talked about the long-term perspective of firing Gase in season but specifically for this week if you had to put a percentage number on it what would you say as, as far as the jets firing adam Gase?
1: Yeah, I do think this is a good shot, and I think like what I said earlier, I think Miami is a team that would speak to this ownership a little bit, because you do have to look at it from that perspective. I mean, we already passed the Thursday night window. We already passed getting blown out by an extremely injured 49ers team, Uh, so I think that it does matter to an extent the kind of losses that you're taking, so losing to a division rival, Miami, which uh, they haven't lost to a division team since the opening game of the season. So maybe that speaks to them a little bit more. Um, So I, I do think there is somewhat of a chance, but I mean, considering how many bad losses we've already seen that didn't get it done, I'm still not too confident, but I, I would say there's maybe a 25% chance after this game, but uh, if it is going to happen the bye week, got moved up uh, by one week. So I guess that is a little bit earlier and it's after that new England Monday night game. So now that looks like a, Even bigger opportunity than it was before to do it at the bye week, you know, coming off of primetime, Patriots. Now it's a week earlier than it was. I think that really could be the opportunity. And plus, that's, you know, you get a few weeks. Darnold should be back for a few weeks by that point, a chance to, you know, give him time to return. You have that excuse built in. So I'm looking at that bye week as the most likely point. But I could see it this week if they have another really bad blowout considering the opponent.
0: Yeah, i I'd certainly agree. I think that New England game, like you just said, is probably if I had to put money on it happening in season, that's where I'd put it now. But I, I agree. I think there's a good chance. If it's Flacco, though, I don't think it's happening. Um, right. From at Dob for the dub, going forward, are we going to be able to rely on any receivers other than Crowder? We can change this a little bit because the answer is no, but they Jets should be getting Denzel Mims back at some point. Every other rookie receiver is balling out the season and the Jets haven't really gotten a chance to evaluate Mims. So Michael, I guess what are you expecting from Denzel Mims uh when he comes back? Do you think the Jets can rely on him as a receiver? Uh kind of what are you looking forward to seeing? What are you expecting? Um just kind of your overall thoughts on on Denzel Mims who it's obviously been a disappointing start to his career but You know, he hasn't put anything on the field, so you can't really blame him. Odell Beckham Jr. was in a similar situation his rookie year, and he turned out to be a a great pro.
1: Well, it'll be interesting because he's going to come back and they're probably going to throw him right in there and rely on him to do quite a bit because, you know, how much they're struggling receiver. I mean, Jeff Smith came back and he was he led all the skill position players in snaps in the Broncos game and played most of them again. In the second game and obviously he had a really good debut but was not able to follow that up in the second game so it is going to be tough I think he's going to be thrown right into the action but I mean I think Mims is a really good prospect I have no idea how he fell to the Jets just has a really complete game can make contested catches is a great blocker has some subtlety to his route running even if he's not the shiftiest with his feet he just has really good hands and is able to give himself the opportunity to make those contested catches by swatting the hands down, bringing his arm over and putting himself in position to use his really good athleticism. And he's good long speed too, which helps him in vertically. If you can get him open over the middle, he has the speed to make plays after the catch. Even if he's not the most elusive guy, he does have that long speed if you can get him in space. So I I like his game a lot. I think he's going to be really good. And it just depends on if he's healthy. And the positive thing is they didn't rush him back, Uh, at least at this point they haven't. Hopefully when he does come back, he is legitimately 100% healthy. But I'm pretty confident he's going to be really good. But it will be interesting to see if he can come right in and start playing well, considering they're going to be relying on him with how thin they've been at the the wide receiver and the skill positions. But I'm really confident in him. And, And we've seen a lot of rookie receivers come in and play well Um, There's been no preseason this year, but yet you see a lot of guys like Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, uh, Chase Claypool, a lot of guys playing really well right away this season. And we saw that last year as well. So uh, there is a lot of reason to believe he can come right in and be that spark. It's not something I think you should expect. And if he doesn't do it, it doesn't mean he's a bust. Antonio Brown did nothing in his rookie season. That's just one example. Plenty of rookies take uh, take time to come into their own but I think there is a good chance he could come right in uh, and start playing really well. And he was a senior as well at Baylor. So he's plenty of experience there. He's not really a raw guy. I think he is someone who can come in and play really well right away. So I'm very excited to see what he does when he comes back.
0: Yeah, me too. I hope he doesn't do well. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say, I hope he doesn't do too much to, to win the Jets some games and knock them out. Coming back in week 12. Well, or I mean, he is the type of player who, if you win games because of Denzel Mims, then you exactly. can live with that. That was what I was going to say. If he comes in and he's a, you know, a superstar to the point where, you know, Makai Beckton has come in and been an absolute uh, stalwart at that left tackle, you think that he's a guy who can be your franchise left tackle. I'm definitely not going to complain if Mims proves that he can be a franchise receiver for us. That's what I guess I'm looking to see is a guy saying, okay, you're going to start uh, in 2021 for us. You can feel comfortable that that's not just a, Uh, projection. You're very comfortable that Mims can hold down that X receiver spot um, next year. So yeah, I agree with you. It'll be a mixed bag. I mean, he's lost his entire rookie year. He didn't have a training camp. Um, But, you know, maybe the fact that he has been able to kind of watch the offense um, throughout the entire season has has helped him in the sense that if he would have just played week one, he wouldn't have had any sort of training camp. And, you know, OBJ did come in and, and produce right away. And I think Mims is a guy who's very pro ready. So, I'm excited to see him. But um, as far as who are we able to rely on that's out of Crowder, I'd say nobody at this point, I think it could be Herndon and Bell and, and hopefully, you know, Mims and, and Perriman, but I just don't think Gase is, is putting him in that position. And, you know, the quarterback position is, is also left some things to be desired, but if Donald comes back, I could see him developing some rapport uh, with, with Denzel Mims. Uh, at Ben Thornhill, uh, 199 ask any offensive line options of free agency that the Jets should explore this offseason or should they focus in the draft? You know, it's it's we already talked about this with the draft question earlier. And normally we'd say, you know, it's it's way too early for these questions, but I this is the only thing I really care about. I don't even care about the 2020 Jets anymore. It's all about the 2021 Jets for me. So I mean the guy that immediately comes to mind is Joe Tooney, who by most reports, reports was Joe Douglas's top target last year in free agency in the in the Patriots tagged him at the last minute he should hit the market this time around so he's a guy that certainly jumps out to me as an elite guard still relatively young can come in right away and either slide in at left guard or right guard and and immediately make this line better uh michael are there any other guys that come to mind um i think brandon scherf is also going to be a free agent
1: yeah Um, he was i was going to bring him up i'm looking at the list right now and you mentioned tooney he's actually played some center for them as well so maybe if yeah, you know, if they do want to go this route, you can kick Connor McGovern over to guard, play Tooney at center, just an option. I think ideally McGovern, who did have a good game against the Cardinals.
0: I, I think I think McGovern, by the way, way, at center. I think McGovern's had his best two games as a jet the last two games. And I think he's the position that has struggled the most from not having any training camp and not getting that rapport. Because the center, a lot of that position requires communication and chemistry. Right. Yeah, knowing when to help out. And that was something he was so good at in Denver, but he had three or four years in Denver. So I think that McGovern is a guy that I don't think you need to slide to over there. I think Connor McGovern can handle that center spot. And I think by the end of the year, you're, you're going to see the 2019 version of Connor McGovern, uh, as opposed to the one that we saw at the beginning of the year that looked a little bit confused and was missing some blocks.
1: Yeah. There, there's been some bad press on McGovern, but don't listen to that. He hasn't been, look, he has definitely not been the top 10 center. He certainly was for the Broncos. It's been a disappointing start, but the notion that he's been absolutely horrible or a downgrade compared to Harrison or a complete bust, that's definitely not true. And the point you made is a really good one because the stuff he struggled with, he's not getting beat one-on-one. That's not happening. Like Jonathan Harrison, to mention him again, consistently was Spencer Long, bad centers in the league. He doesn't lose one-on-one battles very much. It's been helping out and that comes down to communication. And like you said, no preseason games to work on it, shortened off season, So he's definitely been a victim of that. And he has improved as the season has gone on, I think. So uh, he's definitely working his way back towards uh, establishing himself as that long-term piece, at center. And if the Jets can come out of the season with Becton, McGovern, and Fant locked in, that's a really good start in this O-line rebuild. And it sets the stage really well for whether it's Darnold or if you do get a new quarterback, uh, to have a, an infrastructure for them. Next season, something Darnold didn't have when he came in. So, McGovern, it's been a disappointing start for sure, but he's definitely working his way back up. And the point you made is really good about the communication because that's where the struggles have been. Uh, and that's something that, you know, and the interior trio has stayed healthy throughout the first three games. Those guys have been out there. Tackle has been where the injuries have been. Uh, so, with those three guys staying healthy, McGovern's starting to get it going a little bit and look more like the player he was in Denver. And his run blocking has been. Pretty decent as well. Not great, but definitely, you know, when you've had some of the worst run blocking centers over the past few years, uh, he's his average blocking is definitely a welcome change of pace. Uh, so it, he's definitely working his way back up towards where he was last season.
0: Uh, at Dingo asks, should the Jets change the uniforms back to wash out the Adam Gase era? Well, they can't anyone until... Anyone who
1: listens to this podcast knows what our answer would be.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Except I, I might shock you a little bit. Well, not entirely. The Jets um, can't touch them until the end of the 2023 20, um, season because you have to wait five years. Um, I, 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 like, I think I like a lot of the things that the Jets do. We talk way too much about the uniforms in this podcast. I think a lot of the... I like a lot of things. This is the part that... right
1: here where people are, if you're on YouTube, just hitting that X button.
0: Hold on, hold on. Before you leave, before you leave, (laughs) before you leave, just hear me out. I'm gonna get my soapbox for a minute. I like a lot of the things they did with the uniforms. I think they made some great strides. I think they're better than what they are wearing, especially under Nike. Uh, the the classic Jets unis that the green always looked brown, they had patches. I mean, they look terrible. I like the color, I like the the helmet shell. There are a lot of I even like the stripe a little bit. I know it's a controversial take. I do think that they should tweak them after 2023. I would change the logo to the eighties logo. That might not happen because the jets want to sell merchandise and change the logo or whatever. And that's a a previously used logo. But if they change that logo to the eighties logo, I think those unis are maybe the best in the NFL. Maybe that's a stretch, but at least top five. Um, I would maybe adjust the New York across the chest. I might, you know, make it smaller, make it NY. But if the Jets are winning in these uniforms, I think I'd love them even more. But even with the New York across the chest, I still like the uniforms. I'd give them a B plus. If they change it to um, the Jets, the, the 80s Jets font, I think I'd give them an A. And if they change a little bit with the whole New York thing, I, I might give them even an A plus. But I thought the green looked really good on Sunday. I thought, I know we've been saying that literally every week. That's been the side. It's been the Jets look terrible, but at least their unis look good. And for some reason, each week, they kind of look better to me. Despite the fact that they're losing, if they were winning in these unis, though, Michael, I think I think you know the rest of the NFL would recognize them as, as among the best uh, in the league. What are your thoughts, Michael? Yeah, these are great uniforms. I will. Com- there are a lot of things to complain about
1: with the Jets, but I don't think this is one of them. I really, I, I and you can nitpick things. There are, like you mentioned, maybe the stripes, maybe the New York, maybe the helmet logo. But just when your team changes uniforms, you start to look at every single detail so much. Because yeah, everything is Look, at, look changed, at the Cardinals uniform. How but, many useless lines right, are Right. The Cardinals, I mean, like, I think that's the difference between the Jets and teams. Uh, like, some of these new updates uh, and what the Jets did well versus teams like the Cardinals, who obviously are outdated, but uh, there's, I don't think there's wasted stuff on there. It's just the Jets have a really clean uniform. The colors are good. I enjoy them quite a bit, so I would not want to see them go back. To the old ones but the thing about the old ones was they looked great in the reebok era they were it had a really gritty feel to it then when they went to Nike which is more geared towards the futuristic uniforms just the material looks better with them they were really ugly the colors weren't good the shoulders looked a different color than the rest of the jersey the helmets were yellow they were pretty ugly so but they were really good in the a really good old school uniform when they were with reebok but uh, I'm a fan of these uniforms and eventually we'll have a different coach to associate them with that. that their biggest issue is that the only coach uh, that has been associated with them is Adam Gase.
0: Yeah, uh, it's, it really is true. You look at the Titans uniforms. They got a lot of hate, but now that they're winning under King Arthur, those uniforms look pretty good. So we'll see how the jets are doing in, in 2023 at San underscore clinic. S was Joe Flacco as elite as expected. Um, Let's not spend much time on this question, Michael. Um, but yes, that's, was, that's Jets. just
1: He was 10 times better than Sam <laughs> Darnold, the worst quarterback in the
0: league. He's about what I expected. I mean, it, look, if if the Jets were competitive and, and he was the backup, I'd feel good. I mean, I think he's a solid backup to have in today's NFL. Just right now where the Jets are, I don't want Joe Flacco winning the Jets any games. But I think he did show at least that, um, at least he didn't come in and ball out under Gase's system. That would have been the worst thing. At least he did show that, for anybody who's slandering Darnold week in and week out. And I think Michael, you get lumped into that a little bit because you no, are honest about I, it, I, your I don't evaluation. I
1: slander him. I give him honest
0: criticism. I, I'm not saying you do. I'm saying people on Twitter certainly have that belief that, that you are, are now an anti Sam Darnold. You know, you just love draft trauma is what I saw from one tweet, but I think you're trying to be as objective as possible. That's, that's the only way people can trust your analysis. Um, and I think, uh, you know, he at least showed that, that, it's definitely not all on Sam Darnold, which I, I know you don't believe at all. Um, but Sam Darnold presumably would have played better than than Flacco did uh, in this yeah, game. So I mean, Flacco
1: showed you, I think, what you hope to get out of him—just decent backup play. I mean, expecting better, better, better than Trevor
0: Simeon or Luke Falk. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, Simeon only really got the one quarter. I guess we can cut him some slack, but better than Falk for sure. Better than uh, twenty yeah, twenty-eighteen Josh McCown. Um, I think. He was a decent backup. Definitely, I, I don't even think he was as good as Darnold has been just because he can't, you know, move, you know, make plays when oh, things God, aren't yeah. there. When he, when he
0: was trying to run, I mean, he picked up some firsts on his feet, but, I mean, it, I guarantee you I could beat him in a 40-yard dash.
1: Yeah, it's just, it, look, it looks like he's moving in slow motion. It really, like, he's running as hard as he can, but his body's just not progressing down the field. It's weird to watch. But, I mean, he was a decent backup. I think he gave you – what you would like to get out of your veteran backup but i mean Darnold's definitely a better quarterback than joe flacco right now
0: right um why does gase refuse to use at levy on bell this by the way is from at chris troutwin uh, why does gase refuse to use at levy on bell i honestly don't understand it it's like he wants to be fired even if gase doesn't believe in Lev, just give it a chance jesus it's frustrating i agree with you 1,000%. Even Michael Perrin is liking tweets about Adam Gase misusing him. I just think Adam Gase just doesn't doesn't know how to build a system around his players. This is just the best thing I could say. Uh, I, I would say I don't think Adam Gase is as bad as we think he is. I don't think he's good by any stretch. I just think that it's a complete mismatch with what he kind of wants uh, – despite the fact that he's had us that Joe Douglas did work with him to bring in players that, that works with his system. I just, I think naturally to be a good coach, you have to, you know, build a puzzle with the pieces you have. And whereas he's pretty much just set on, on what his, what his puzzle is going to look like. And he's just trying to jam pieces together. Um, He he's tried to do a better job of it. I, I know he's trying to roll Darnold out and give him some easy reads and stuff, but he just doesn't do enough of it. Um, needs to use more pre-snap motion, needs to use more up-tempo. Where he likes to just have a very static pocket passer offense, which is what Peyton Manning had. And, I, you know, I don't think Gase is terrible. You know, I I don't wish ill upon him. Hopefully he goes somewhere and is a successful offensive coordinator for some college somewhere. I don't, you know, I know he I know he wants to succeed here. Um, but it's, it, yeah, it is mind-boggling that, that Le'Veon Bell, at this point, with Gase's job in the line, is not getting 30 touches a game. Um, but... You know, uh, I'm not the head coach of the Jets. Michael, neither are you. But, I mean, what are are your thoughts on on the way that Adam Gase is using Le'Veon Bell?
1: Uh, It's just really tough to comprehend like a lot of things that he does. You would think coaching for his job that he would force the ball to Le'Veon Bell, who is a slightly better player than 37-year-old Frank uh, Frank Gore, to say the least. Um, But it it just really doesn't make a lot of sense. One biggest thing is that Bell was a very versatile receiver for the Steelers. He's still third all time in receiving yards per game at running back behind only Kamara, and McCaffrey, uh, and Gase just hasn't featured him enough. He Bell caught a lot of passes last year, 66 catches. I believe that was seventh most among running backs, but most of those were checkdowns. Bell's slot reps have been way down compared to Pittsburgh. He only has four catches out of the slot in two years. Uh, Compared to Pittsburgh, where over his last two seasons on a per 16 game basis, he caught about 12 slot catches uh, over 2016 to 17. Uh, His amount of snaps in the slot and out wide is less than half of what it was compared to those last two years in Pittsburgh, 4.6 with the Jets, 9.6 as a Steeler. So he just hasn't been using him as the versatile piece you signed him to be, and he's not using him as a workhorse in the run game giving too many carries to Frank Gore who is not good anymore. He's going to the Hall of Fame great guy, but he doesn't have anything left in the tank anymore. We see it every single week. He's just putting his head down, leaving a lot of big holes on the field not taking them. So, and even in this game, Bell 4.6 yards per carry, Gore I believe is 3.3. Huge difference. So, it doesn't it, there's no explanation for it. It's I don't know what it is. I I honestly don't think he likes the guy. I mean, there was, you know, the talk about did Gase even want Bell? Was that a McCagnan signing? Uh, so I, I just, it's hard to explain. Like a lot of things with Adam Gase. All
0: right, last one here, at Bowls 56 underscore Mike. Since the actual season blows, I'd like to hear who you think will be on the roster next year. So, Michael, let's go through every position group real quickly, and I want you to tell me if you think they're going to be on the, the 2021 Jets, Okay. Okay. I mean, I was hoping there's going to be a response there, you know, a little back and forth, (laughs) but okay. Uh, Quarterback. Let's go. Sam Darnold. Yes or no. Actually, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it faster. I'm going to say quarterback position. You tell me who you think is going to be on the roster out of Sam Darnold, Joe Flacco, Mike White, and James Morgan.
1: I think, I think it'll just be Morgan. I think they're going to get that number one pick and trade Darnold. They're, They're just, I think they're too bad for it to not happen. It, Darnold could definitely, it's, it's close. It's very close, but right.
0: that's what I lean towards. I, I tend to agree with you as well. I, you know, I'm still rooting for Darnold to come back. And, you know, I said this in the last podcast is that, you know, in, in 2018 and I guess 2019, you could count it as well. The, the missed time was more so over 2018. He, he got injured. He missed a few games and it seemed to clear his head. He kind of reset. It was kind of like they benched him without benching him and he came back and he looked like a new quarterback his confidence was back and that's kind of been an issue with Darnold despite the fact that there was this notion coming out that he was unflappable he was stoic he wasn't going to get rattled he has been rattled at times in his career so there is a chance that he comes back from this injury and it resets him he comes back with a new kind of aura around him and they win some games which I know Michael is you know terrified to hear that but I still think there is You've a been chance talking
1: that... pro tank in this podcast too.
0: Oh, I know. I'm just saying <laughs> that I don't, I think you are cheering for the jets to suck Adam Gase to stay. So they win all the games. Then he gets fired and they get Lawrence. Whereas I'm kind of no, cheering. I, for... I would like
1: to see Adam Gase. Get fired. Okay. But I you're cheering. You're support.
0: cheering for them to get Trevor Lawrence at this point where I'm close to that. And I, I admit that if they have them will pick, they should, but I'm still hoping that Darnold can turn it around and win some games here and play well and prove that he is who we think he can be. But I, sorry i guess i threw you under the bus there but i my point being i think that there is a chance like you i mean you said it too but if i had to put money on it today i would say i'm probably leaning towards that that won't happen and that morgan will probably be the only quarterback remaining as far as running backs go bell p ryan gore um ty johnson and i think josh adams is on the practice squad out of those guys right now who do you think is gonna be on the 2021 jets
1: I think only P Ryan and Ty Johnson, who they'll probably use the franchise tag on hasn't fumbled once this year, missed a single hole. He's been fantastic. No, I think just P Ryan.
0: So two uh, positions down and basically two, just, just two. not basically just, literally just two draft picks from, from Joe Douglas's 2020 draft. Let's look like at receiver Mims, Perriman, Crowder, Berrios, Jeff Smith, Vincent Smith, um, Chris Hogan, I'm going off the top of my head here. Feel free to help me out if I'm missing anybody. A bunch of other scrubs. Who's going to be on the team?
1: Definitely Mims. Definitely Mims and Crowder. I, I think Barrios, too. Probably Mims, Crowder, and Barrios is what I lean to.
0: Yeah, I would think – I mean, Jeff Smith, If, if you know, he showed a lot more in the Broncos game, wasn't as good this game. But if a guy, like, between the yeah, Smiths – I probably would have said
1: Jeff Smith a week ago, but he has one bad game, and now he's a bum again. <laughs>
0: He did get 11 targets though. Between, and the fact that Chris Hogan is out, uh, he should still continue to get targets even if Perriman and and Mims come back. Um, Between Jeff Smith and Vincent Smith, I think there's, one of them I think is gonna at least make it to training camp. Maybe even both be training camp bodies. Uh, But I think one of them might make that 2021 roster. I like both of them. And I think they have upside as kind of a a speed um, receiver. They both are fast. Um, They did try to have Jeff Smith throw the ball which I would have been interested. I have to go watch the, the game film and see if anybody would have been open if he didn't get sacked. Um, but I, I think they'll both probably make a training camp and there's a good chance that one of them will make it. But I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's pretty much just Mims, Crowder and, and probably Barrios. Um, tight end, we got Herndon, Wesco, Griffin and Daniel Brown.
1: I think Herndon will still be around. Um, Wesco probably as well. Probably go with Herndon and Wesco.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I know they gave Ryan Griffin a contract extension, but they can get out of that with little to no damage. I think they own maybe 2 million or something. They can designate him as a post June 1st cut. I think they'll probably end up drafting another tight end in the draft. You know, maybe not early, but probably day two or day three. Um, Trey McKitty from, uh, from Georgia. That's my guy. I, I think that he, he would be a great fit for Arthur Smith's offense. Um so I think they'll probably end up drafting another tight end and, and cutting Griffin, but he could survive another year. I think Daniel Brown is out of here. Um, unless Brent Boyer really bangs the table for him on, on special teams. When you look at offensive line, uh Becton, Fant, Adoga, McDermott, McGovern, Van Roten, Lewis, Clark, um, who do they just bring up? Um, what's his name? Or oh, they have Josh Andrews, Andrews and these, and yeah. who's the guy that they just brought up? Um Oh God. What's his name? All right. Uh, some, yeah. Uh, some like uh, James Murray or Jim, Jimmy Murray, James Murray, I think. Some scrub um, out of those guys. Who do you think will be on the, the 2021 roster?
1: This is an interesting one because you have two potential placeholders at guard with Lewis and Van Roten, who you could hold on to if, you know, you don't, if things don't materialize in terms of getting a better option, but Becton, obvious. McGovern obvious they can't really get out of that one even if he's bad um so those two will be locks I think Adoga will stick around um I think I think Fant's going to earn his way back um it, it'll be an interesting decision because it's pretty expensive deal I think 9.4 is going to be his cap hit next year but if he's an average right tackle I think you pay that you you don't know, even though that's a lot of money, you don't want to risk, you know, having a bad right tackle just to move on from that. So I think he'll earn that. So Fant, Becton, Edoga, McGovern, Clark will definitely be around. Will he start? We'll have to see if he can earn that either this year or ne- in train camp next year. Uh, so those five for sure. And I, between Lewis and McGovern or Lewis and Van Roten, I, uh, I think one of those guys will be back. I think, I think Lewis I'll will be back. probably
0: lean towards Lewis. Yeah, Van Broden's out of here. But um, I, th- I think Lewis will be back. Um, but I think he hit the nail on the head. I think Joe Douglas clearly values building up the offensive line. And we saw a lot of work on it last offseason. I think we're going to see maybe even the same amount of work. Maybe not towards as many starters or whatnot, but I think he's going to continue adding a ton of resource, a ton of people there and, and putting in as many resources as possible draft picks and free agent signings into that offensive line. And I think next year you're going to see that unit take another leap. When you look towards the defense, it gets a little more murky. Let's just look at the defensive line. Quinn and Williams, Henry Anderson, John Franklin, Myers, Nathan Shepard, um, Steve McClendon, Foley Fadokasi. Sorry, I'm doing this off the top of my head. Kyle Phillips, etc. Out of those defensive linemen, who do you think will, Will survive um, the the purge that is coming from Joe Douglas. Well, this is
1: another interesting position because I think after last year, you thought this was a really stacked group, but at least through this point of twenty twenty, doesn't look quite as quite as promising as it did last year. Uh, Quinton is definitely locked. McClendon has played still played pretty well, but I guess I'll lean away from him due to his age. Henry Anderson, he's gone. His snap counts have gone down this year, anyway. And he's continued to do nothing. Then um, the rest of them are pretty interesting. You have a lot of Mcagnam pickups here who are, you know, have potential, haven't necessarily been great. Lotocasi, I think, will be around. Shepard, I don't think so. He's been inactive and has not built on the promise he showed last year. Franklin Myers definitely looks like a keeper right now. Um, and then I guess in terms of the interior guys, um, I guess that would be the group. So Quinnen, Franklin Myers and Fadakasi in, in terms of the interior defensive lineman. I think that's what you have sticking around.
0: All right, looking at the linebacker position, CJ Mosley. Remember him? Avery Williamson, Neville Hewitt, Blake Cashman, um, Patrick Onawasor, And let's just go to the outside linebackers as well.
1: I totally forgot he existed.
0: <laughs> I pulled that one out at the last second. Uh, Bryce Huff. Oh God. Who are all the other way? Uh, Jordan Jenkins. Um, Scrub number two, scrub number three, scrub number four, you know, random generated player. You can fill in the rest. Who are the linebackers that that you think will, will return? Uh, Well, mostly
1: will obviously be here. There's no moving on from that. So hopefully he is uh, hopefully he still has his elite talent left in the tank. Um, Williamson, I think will be gone. They restructured his deal. Didn't start him over Neville Hewitt and Alec Ogletree anyway. they're just doing it now because Ogletree is so bad Uh, and he doesn't seem like the same player anyway. So Williamson probably gone. Hewitt will be interesting. I don't think he's good. He's a backup quality player, but he's been playing every down for Greg these two years, but it seems like he's a Greg favorite and Greg probably will not be back. So I think he'll be gone also Uh, in terms of the edge guys, Basham will maybe stick around. He Basham and Jenkins. I could see sticking around. I mean, if those two guys are rotational pieces for you, you can do a lot worse, but obviously the Jets need uh, they need some uh, pair of studs at the outside linebacker slash edge position, and those two guys are not that, but in terms of depth, uh, if, if those guys are your backups, that's a really good place to be, so I think they will stick around. Um, Bryce Huff, hopefully he does do enough to stick around. He is Joe Douglas pickup, one of the few at this position, so I'll go with Huff sticking around. So I guess in terms of inside linebacker, only Mosley at edge, I think Jenkins, Basham, and Huff will stick around.
0: All right. And then lastly, let's go to the secondary, May, Davis, McDougal, and then the corners, um, Bless Austin, Pierre Desir, Brian Poole, Quincy Wilson, Bryce Hall, Lamar Jackson, uh, Jalen Guidry. I think that's all of them. I probably missed somebody. Oh, uh, what's his name? Arthur Millette, There we go. I got it uh, out of that secondary unit who survives into 2021. Um, and then by the way, we'll just quickly cover the special teams man and, and Hennessy are staying and maybe even Ficken. I mean, I think he uh, he's been all right. I mean, he had that one missed kick, but it got called back. So, so far he, he's, he's done what's been called upon him, but as far as the secondary who sticks uh, in 2021.
1: Yeah. Well, Ashton Davis is the obvious one as Douglas pick and, you know, being going into a second year, he's not going anywhere. Uh, but then the well, Bradley McDougald won't be back. He hasn't played well. They're gonna need a new starter at safety. But the interesting question here is that Marcus May was a very solid free safety, but now in this new role at strong safety, although he had a very good debut in the Buffalo game, he has not maintained that, uh, and and not been as effective in this role as he was uh, when he's playing single high, roaming the deep part of the field instead of in the box. Uh, this definitely isn't his strong suit. So. For May, if you are going to keep him, who is an unrestricted free agent after the season, if you're going to keep him, you probably want to play him at free safety, but that's where Ashton Davis is strongest. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. So I guess maybe I lean towards May not coming back because they probably project Davis to take over that role. And then you want to get a, a field roamer, a box guy, more versatile, strong safety to pair with him. And it doesn't seem like May is that player. He hasn't been terrible, but it's not his strong suit. Uh, and Davis probably is your future free safety. So I'm gonna lead towards, lean towards no with May. I could definitely see it though. Maybe they do pair those two guys together, but I'm, I'm gonna lead towards no with Marcus May. So at safety, probably only Davis. Uh, and then at cornerbacks is where you have a position we thought there was a lot of competition, but it really, it, well, it was competitive, but between a lot of guys who are similarly bad. Um, Pierre Desir is not coming back. He's not good. Um, Quincy Wilson, I mean, he hasn't been really healthy. Can I just say, Desir?
0: Can I just say, I think Desir might be the the tank MVP in the sense that maybe not in, I mean, he's bad. So that gives him a point. And kind of what we were talking about the beginning of the episode, winning or losing in fun ways. Desir is bad, but he leads the team in interceptions. He's among the league leaders in interceptions. He almost had one last week, again, so he's terrible and then he brings like maybe one or two really exciting plays a game, which is pretty much all you want. Um, but well,
1: I well, although they're bad. exciting, like if you win the Broncos game because Desir has a pick six, that's the absolute opposite
0: of a win. You want to Okay, see. that's what, but they didn't win. That's my point. If they win because of him, I take that back. But I'm just saying if they get blown out by 30 points, but then Desir gets a cool pick six where he makes a few guys miss or something, I'm taking that. I mean, I'd prefer it to be Ashton Davis. I'm just saying that he's providing crappy play and then one good play to kind of give us something to to be excited about.
1: I guess so, but I mean, I mean, yeah, he's definitely the tank MVP. So shout out to Pierre Desir. If Trevor Lawrence comes to New York, hoist a couple of Lombardies, we he could send can wear- Desir, uh, We could send him a plastic replica of the ring, or,
0: or or you know, Trevor could honor him and wear 35 on his on his helmet or jersey or something just as yeah, a, he'll, be,
1: he'll become the first quarterback to wear a number above. Well, no, I'm uh,
0: sorry. I meant as a patch, a little on, you know, a memorable patch or something, you know, on the helmet or something, just, or a, just a, a
1: whole picture of his face on the back of his jersey. Okay. I agree with that. Maybe that. Yeah. You were underselling it a little bit, but to get back to the cornerbacks, I'm going to speed it up a little bit. Zero gone. Uh, I think you'll probably be going to next season with, I think they'll re-sign Brian pool again. He looks like a good fit. Uh, got off to a shaky start, but he's played much better past couple games. Brian Poole will come back and I think bless Austin will still be around. So in terms of the secondary, I think you'll have Poole, Austin and Ashton Davis coming back next season and uh, maybe Arthur Millette as well. Hopefully he can come back healthy uh, and, and build off of his, his uh, pretty solid finish to last season. And he does deserve the playing time because really no one has done anything to block him from the lineup. So, uh, I'll go with Millett, Poole, Austin, and Ashton Davis in the secondary.
0: Well, there you have it. Uh, Michael has predicted – what is that, 50% of the, the Jets' 21, 2021 roster? Maybe oh, like gonna be 40% or 30%. There's going to be massive turnover, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess I undersold it again. It's interesting because um, they just did that this offseason. Yes, but the people who are surviving were people who were just – I mean, for the, not entirely, but a lot of them were just brought in. Um, but, it's yeah, it's just – the joe douglas show and this roster is going to get look more and more uh like his image and and that's exciting i guess i mean i believe in him and and i know there are going to be debates about this because i know the free agency class was underwhelming um but the draft class we haven't we haven't really seen but the fact that he got makai beckton is promising i do like the class um without seeing them play that much i'm hoping to see some more once they do once they do get in the field and you know i think fant was you've kind of talked about as the one free agency signing where he really took a gamble on um, and that's really paid off. And, you know, this year hasn't been great, um, but Perriman has been kind of bothered by injuries. So we didn't really get a fair chance to evaluate him yet, but you know, best available or best ability is availability. So he's missed on some things, but the biggest one is probably Robbie um, and taking James Morgan maybe as well. Um, but overall, I still believe in him and, and, you know, his vision and his plan for this team. I think Chris Johnson clearly trusts him. And I think, Give him two years, give him three years, and I think you're really going to start to see him turn this team around. Also with a different head coach. I mean, I, I do really believe in Joe Douglas just from a lot of the things that we've seen him do and, and talk about. Uh, I think he understands how to build a winning team. I think he understands the importance of culture and premium positions and the way he navigated um, the, the Jamal Adams trade. And there's just a lot of things that give me confidence in him as, as a leader, as opposed to Mike and John Edzik and Mike Tannenbaum. You know, sometimes to build, you know, he's building this, he's tearing this team down to the, to the the foundation, I guess is, is what it, what it should be viewed as the Jets have been terrible the last 10 years, they've drafted terribly, and they're reaping the, the, you know, the, the side effects of that at this point, and I think that Joe Douglas is tearing this team down, and Jets fans just have to be patient with him, um, which is something that I, I think ownership and fans haven't been you know, in the last 10 years is maybe as much as they should be in some, you know, in some aspects, just fans have been very patient. They've watched a terrible product for 10 years and clearly they're frustrated, but I just, I believe in Joe Douglas, Michael, I know you do as well. And I really think he just needs, he just needs some time to get this thing going. I think next year you're going to see the team take leaps and another big draft class with two first round picks. I think you're going to see, see him take further leaps. I mean, look at the Raiders. They traded Khalil Mack. They were pretty terrible their first year. Um, after that deal. And then you, you know, even though they didn't get a player that was Khalil Mack level in any of those picks, um, you know, the collective effect of all those players and those picks in those premium spots built a team that just beat Kansas City uh, on Sunday and is looking like a, a playoff contender. So that's the hope for for Joe Douglas and the Jets. They got to get the head coach. They got to, you know, hopefully get through this season um, and and start building this team the right way. But I, I like the way that things are heading. And, and even though it's bad right now, I think it's, you know, I think it's good that this, in in some ways, I think it's good that this whole thing is just botting me out and they're, they're going to blow it all up and, and get this thing going in the right direction. Michael, last words before we end this. Right. I think on
1: Douglas, uh, I, I don't place much, much, much blame on him at all for this start. I mean, in terms of the team being this bad, yeah, it does come down to they didn't make big moves at edge. They didn't get a big, a big free agent at guard or wide receiver, there are a lot of holes they didn't fill, but at the same time, this team wasn't going to compete for Super Bowl this year. So Douglas took the route that you know he wasn't going to invest big money into the short term to risk the long term. He accepted, uh, and again, we didn't expect the team to be this bad, uh, but you know, he accepted that this team might struggle this year to maintain flexibility long term. And ultimately, what we're going to judge him on is not – which free agency signs or what trades he makes, it's how effectively he drafts. That's the reason the Jets are in this position because their last three GMs didn't leave this team with any long-term talent to build around. So the draft is what is going to define Joe Douglas's success or lack of success. Uh, And you can't judge anybody's draft class after five games, especially a draft class that has had pretty much everyone injured besides Makai Becton, well, Michael P. Ryan and Ashton Davis, who themselves have been missing some time, uh, but Zuniga, Mims, Bryce Hall, Cameron Clark, uh, and Clark uh, Clark has been injured, but probably wouldn't play anyway. Uh, James Morgan, you haven't seen most of this class, and even if you did, it's only five games. so You've no idea what these guys are going to become. So it, the the draft is what's going to define Joe Douglas, just like it does for every general manager in uh, five games and there's nothing to judge him on really with the draft it's way too early so i'm still very high in joe douglas for a lot of the reasons you mentioned uh and it'll take a few years and or well not a few years i mean if they're super bad next or very bad next season again then that's a big issue catch <laughs> you yourself know. super bad <laughs> i know I, I don't know why i haven't even watched it recently but uh, it's it is a great movie but but look if the jets are very bad team next season again. Then obviously it's a major problem. But um, in terms of right now, Douglas took the patient route. Uh, the teams had a lot of injuries that have made them, you know, even worse than they probably would be if they were healthy. But he's taking the patient route. The draft right. is what's and going to uh,
0: define if he's good or not, and it takes years for that. And I think there's some fan like. Here's a good example. A.J. Green is probably going to be traded from the Bengals. And I think there are some Jets general managers in the past, if they were in the situation, they'd say, and there's some fans that are calling for this trade for A.J. Green. And it's short-sighted in the sense that, sure, A.J. Green might come in and I don't think this would happen, but maybe he would come in and the Jets might be a little bit better on offense. They might be able to squeak out two or three wins and you know, that costs you a number one pick. I think Robbie Sable had a really good article on this. It's basically Joe Douglas is, is taking the long-term approach. I think he has Christopher Johnson's ear, which in my mind is a good thing. I think he's probably the best person in recent memory to have one of the Johnson's ears. Um, and I just think that, that he understands, look, we're not going to make a short-term deal like that to sacrifice the long-term you know, goal. If you're going to win, win because of these young guys, if not, you're going to lose and you're going to get the top picks you're going to keep building this roster and, and fix what has been wrong with this team the last 10 years, which is bad drafting and hopefully attract a better head coaching candidate. So I trust Douglas understands this. And look, I've been wrong many times with the jets. They always find a way to, to hurt me, but um, I, I do feel very strongly with Douglas, especially being in a, uh, you know, a, a, a newsome protege. Um, some of the things he did with Philadelphia, winning a super bowl. And I just, I, I, I have, I'm very bullish on Joe Douglas is what I should, what I should say. And I think many Jets fans should be as well, but he has to prove it. And I think you're right. I think next year is going to be a big test for him, and certainly the year after that. Um, I think at the very least, he's going to get four seasons though. Um, So, uh, you know, Jets fans better get it comfortable with, with Joe Douglas. Um, I think that's where we're going to end it. Um, You can follow us at CYJ pod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington. Find us at jetsxfactor.com or on iTunes, Spotify. Just look up um, Cool Your Jets. Um, thank you to everybody who's been listening. Our, our listens are, are climbing every week. We're, we're trying to stay as consistent as possible, and we're, we're going to throughout this disaster season. I can't imagine how our listens are, are going to be once the Jets are, are actually good or maybe even just in the off season when there's something interesting to talk about. But all those diehards that, that are listening to this podcast, despite the, the fact that the Jets are absolutely terrible and, and we don't even want to sit here and talk about them, but we do it because one, we enjoy doing this. We appreciate having this type of platform, and, and thank you to just everybody who's taking time out of their days to, to listen to us, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, or, or even that YouTube um, or the Jets Extractor YouTube um, page. So, again, thank you for listening. I hope everybody's having a, a safe week. And as I've said the last few weeks, and probably we'll just say until Adam Gase is fired, don't let the Jets ruin your life. Go watch Red Zone on Sundays. You know, maybe listen to this podcast and just to see how they're doing. But until Adam well, Gase is super fired, super bad. Go watch Superbad. There you go. That's you'll be a lot happier. <laughs>